And that, that's the American ideals, right? Yeah. Is that the biggest tent possible and say, hey, you know, you, you're Jewish, I'm Christian, you're atheist, whatever you are. Yeah. We can get behind these ideas that we're going to allow each other to flourish in our own way and to find out what is true and to exercise our freedoms and to do what it what we think is the best for our our persons, right? Right. Welcome to the Kevin Roberts show. As you know, if you watch or listen regularly, each week we talk to someone who's making a difference in America. Some of those folks are thinkers, philosophers, historians like me. But what's really fun is to talk to someone who's also a leader in business. And this week, it's a great privilege to sit down with my friend from Texas, Peter Rex. Pete, thanks for being here. Kevin, good, good to be here. So you have made a lot of waves, and that's because you're not a shrinking violet. I think most people who watch or listen to this show, listen to this show know who you are, but perhaps they're not exactly familiar. So tell us why you moved to Texas. Just a, a little bit of a, a story there. We're going to get into some of the details over the next bit. Yeah, I mean, long story short, we were on the West Coast. I had moved out there to San Francisco, built out uh, technology, started mm-hmm. to you know break into the technology ecosystem in San Francisco. Yeah. Then I moved up to Seattle, set up another office in Seattle, and right. kept doing that. But along the way, I realized, um, sort of triggered by COVID, the opportunity to act upon this. Mm-hmm. But it was a growing realization that the West Coast, particularly San Francisco and Seattle, was becoming increasingly intolerant. And that was not a good environment to draw from a talent base. Yeah. And it wasn't the best environment for myself. I have four kids and my wife, you know, and I, you know, we always think about these things, right? right. As, as do you, you know, yeah. and every good parent, right? But also parents of my company were, were bringing it up to me as well. They yeah. were worried about the, the local environment, you know, the schools, yeah. the, the other, you know, sort of growing intolerance towards, you know, people with Judeo-Christian principles. Yeah. And, and I think when people, as I've talked to probably several dozen people about, the, the witness that you've provided as someone who is a, an objective thinker, you have your own particular philosophy when it comes to politics and your worldview. But the point I'm driving at, Pete, is you, you don't impose that on your employees. You're just trying to create a situation where people are free to exercise their political beliefs, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I like to say is everything is tolerated within our company, yeah. except for intolerance. So, <laughs> well I, I, yeah, I mean, you can accept, you know, pretty much, and that, that's the American ideals, right? Yeah. Is that the biggest tent possible and say, hey, you know, you, you're Jewish, I'm Christian, you're atheist, whatever you are. Yeah. We can get behind these ideas that we're going to allow each other to flourish in our own way and to find out what is true and to exercise our freedoms and to do what it what we think is the best for our, our persons, right? Right. So this is the foundation of American ideal, the American system, really. And that's something I, I embrace and that my answers is I've benefited from tremendously. And we try to do the same thing with, within our company. Yeah. But you can't allow someone in there that says, you know, uh, actually, you know, my way, this way of thinking is the only way. And if you don't think this, we're going to cancel you. Right. We're going we're gonna to put a target on your back. We're going to make it, you know, basically uncomfortable to work with you. Mm-hmm. So... One thing I'm curious about, and I have been since since we started talking and spending time together over the last couple of years, is was was that realization, the thing you just explained, was that something that was a light bulb moment or was it something that sort of evolved over a period of time? Well, so I, I would say it was a evolving uh, you know, situation. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, I could go back and you know, back my history a little bit. I'm I'm originally from the New York area, New York City area, upstate New York, which would be about an hour and a half north of Manhattan. Yeah. And growing up, grew up in a, you know, middle-class, working-class type family. Right. 
And but as I went into college, I first started at community college, but then I transferred eventually to a place called Ave Maria. Mm-hmm. And then last I transferred to Georgetown University. Mm-hmm. And when I was at Georgetown, that's where I'd say I started having you know, a light bulb realization of the intolerance. Yeah. And sort of the, you know, how much of an echo chamber some of these folks were in. Because I remember having a pretty much a confrontational meeting with um, one of the heads of Georgetown. Yeah. And you <laughs> confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it was, it was caught me off guard because they were c- confronting me. And I said, well, wait, are, first of all, aren't you a Catholic priest? And then secondly, like, well, why are you giving me problems about my positions and my points of view? And, right. you know, these are very commonly accepted views anyways in America. And, and the guy said, well, you know, do you realize like, you know, you're, you're just so conservative. And I said, I'm so conservative. Like I had never identified as conservative actually. And I was always, I always thought about, you know, even my family to seek truth, whatever mm-hmm. that is, and, and to have open debates. So whoever, my, my parents would always keep, my dad particularly keep me around whenever he's debating anybody, even stuff against his own positions, because he mm-hmm. wants to hear the different sides, right? That's yeah. how you come to the truth. So I was like, oh, well, I'm conservative? I said, well, <laughs> well, you're the one with the collar on, my friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you right. know, he's, a, he's got a Roman collar. He's a priest. Yeah. And I said, uh, you know, why, why would you become like a Catholic priest and then actually you know, go, go against all the positions of the church. Yeah. And so, but that, that sort of gave me an understanding of, wow, these guys are fairly out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause if he went even to, you know, where I grew up and he talks to folks on the street or I used to work construction as well. Before I went to Georgetown, if you talk to some of those guys, he'll realize like he'll probably end up thinking they're conservative, but yeah. actually they're not, mm-hmm. they're just Americans. They're regular folks. They're more moderate, I'd say. And, and they're, I think the university system became so far left. And this kind of fed into what I would say is the current problem in the technology ecosystem is the university feeder system, sort of uh, teaching people what to believe or forcing, you know, yeah. through pressure, what to believe rather than how to challenge their own belief system through thinking, through reasoning. Right. And that, that key difference has led to, I think, a, somewhat of a radicalization and an echo chamber. And then you come out of that feeder system, you land in a company that's also <laughs> similar and mm-hmm. also somewhat radicalized without realizing it. So now everything you know is sort of like this. You probably think you're a moderate, but you're in the middle right. of a lot of folks. You're in this are, bubble. Right? Yeah, you're, you're around a lot of folks that are actually pretty far off. And, and then, and it's also not grounded. There's no tether. That's yeah. why sometimes I say I'm grounded in Judeo-Christian principles. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that it has to be Jewish or Christian. I just, I'm citing timeless principles. Right. They don't have a tether. So when they say we have these values in our company, well, what is that tethered to? Is that tethered to stone or is that just floating in the ocean? So yeah. where is that going to go with the wind? Yeah. So if the zeitgeist, the wind of the times are bad, you know, who knows where they're going to go, right? They could be burning things or, you know, we've yeah. seen some of these activities and, and become extremely just whatever that would be. It just, it's sort of, it's an empty vessel. Essentially, they have no belief system is, yeah. is what I noticed. So they land there, then they end up in these radical cities like Seattle and San Francisco. And so a- anyway, so the feeder system, university, then boom, landing into a company, then Boom, landing into a city that's sort of the poster childs of radicalism yeah. <laughs> as far as intolerance right now. Yeah. And so I don't even think they would identify as being intolerant. They probably think they are tolerant. Yeah, because their, their whole bubble, to your point, not just probably at the university level, but starting even at the middle school level, unfortunately, we think about what's happened with K through 12 schools. That bubble is replicated time and again, as you've described well. And, and they become, in ways they don't understand, even more intolerant because there's no one to challenge them. It's, uh, it's a real tragedy, especially if you think about the timeless principles on which our country was founded. Neither liberal nor conservative in, in sort of a general sense. It is ultimately conservative in, in ways we might talk about. But 
let's get back to your story. And and so you, you're at Georgetown. You finish there. You have this interesting conversation with a priest friend who's in his bubble. And, and, and eventually, you start a very successful business. What's the business for people who aren't familiar with it? Yeah. So, well, right now, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm in the technology industry. So I have right. 10 technology companies. I've you know, funded, financed, built mm-hmm. out over time. And those are all early stage companies. And, yeah. you know, we've, we've gone all in. A lot of the folks in our company have moved across the country to join the company right. or moved with us from San Francisco to Seattle and then now over to Austin. And so, and, and that's all focused on the technology area, mm-hmm. you know, so, but historically when I go reversing back to when I first got into business, into entrepreneurship, it was sort of, I backed into it as a, somewhat of a, a last resort, something I hadn't considered. Yeah. In college, I never thought about business, actually. I never read anything about business. Wasn't interested at all. Sort of considered, you know, business folks to be a little bit on the, uh, you know, just kind of like. Oh, just say it. Yeah, just not really into, like, into anything, like, mission-oriented, not really. Yeah, got it. Uh, you know, I, I have some words for it, but probably inappropriate for the podcast. But fair enough. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, but <laughs> I tried to egg you on, but yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, stop uh, there. Uh, yeah, you don't even have to. But <laughs> the, um, but basically, you know, for whatever reason, I, I just had, you know, not no interest. You could have told me Bill Gates outside your apartment uh, during college, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, "Cool, you know, not going to be." You weren't starstruck, but don't care. Yeah, at all. that's right. Um, so, but coming out, I, I, I had sort of tried different things. I thought, well, maybe I'm called to actually go to mission work or priesthood or something like that. But I realized, you know, that's not going to work for me. There's a little thing called obedience and I don't really have that. So (laughs) this is uh, a theme already in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So then, (laughs) then I get, then I get out and I'm thinking, well, maybe I, when I rent to Georgetown religion, I thought maybe I get into politics, some Mm. public service of some sort, but I, you know, just don't really, I don't dig that. That's for, you know, obviously I'm glad that people are over there doing that, but that's not for me. Right. And so then I say, you know, I realized that I, I don't take to authority really well. I'm much better on my own, mm-hmm. doing my own thing. And then I sort of had this epiphany that to go into business, which I almost kind of thought was, you know, could be something like a bad thought, like, well, you know, being a Christian, like, oh, I'm going to go into business. That's bad yeah. money, you know. But then I had worked that through. I actually spent a couple of weeks at a monastery in, in total silence. Uh, there's a Marionite monastery in the middle of nowhere in Petersham, Massachusetts. I spent two weeks over there in silence. Praying on it, and I realized, like, okay, there's something. This is a consistent thing to go into entrepreneurship. So I, that's how yeah. I launched it. And I didn't know anything about business, so but I did know how to read. <laughs> so <laughs> I had done philosophy, political philosophy, sort of a Straussian way to educate yourself, right? And um, so I, I was able to, you know, use a lot of interlibrary loan system books. It sounds, mm. you know, it's, it sounds kind of crazy. To hey, people. man, you're talking to a historian. This is my language. Yeah. So yeah. I would, I would get, I would order so many books in. I had to use like four different libraries in New York because yeah. the librarians would get mad about how many books I'd order. So I'd get them in different libraries and I'd just work through and eventually came up with a plan how to get in yeah. the business. And that was, I came through the real estate side because you can buy larger assets. Right. So fast forwarding then, um, you know, over time, I, I in, in the interim, um, I, I ended up buying, well, fast forwarding, I bought a few billion dollars of assets mm-hmm. in real estate, particularly making a strong bet on a contrarian bet during the great financial crisis to yeah. buy up a lot of assets in Texas and Florida because I thought those would be good areas long term. Right. So, in the interim during that, I also did a CPA and did a, did a law degree at Harvard. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my, my quick story. I noticed along the way a lot of problems within technology in real estate, how mm-hmm. bad it was. But I saw that as a huge opportunity. Yeah. So that's how I got myself into the technology industry. So I'm kind of condensing a lot into one quick thing. But no, but it, it, it all is very clear. When I made that decision to go into technology, though, I made it with a lot of, you know, a lot of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, really reflection, whether this is a good idea or not. 
I wanted to have a huge global impact with whatever I did in business because I'm still Intel. <laughs> I'm all about mission over you know anything else. Yeah. But part of being in business is part of the mission is you have to make as much money as possible. Right. To further further the agenda of the mission. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously grounded in virtue as well, and about serving people through the yeah. business side. Yeah. But I I went to like 85 countries straight on an 18 month uh, <laughs> tour, basically where I hit all these countries. I had a, had about a thousand meetings. Took a lot of notes, like 1,500 pages, single space notes, and mapped out a strategy of yeah. going into tech and building things out. And that was 2015, 16 or so yeah. when I did that. So that's, that's kind of my, that's my quick story. So. And so from, from that last part of that story, this, this trip where you, you visited 85 countries, take 1,500 pages of single space notes, is it at that moment that you realized Austin, Texas was the place to go? No, I was in the West Coast then. So I moved to San Francisco in 2016 right. or 17. Yeah. Landed there, started building out in tech. I, I picked San Francisco because there's so much tech there. So easy. Yeah, sure. Makes and, sense. Yeah. And I was able to use some of my earnings, my own cash to get a lot of consulting. Yeah. So I'd get, you know, best consultants in the world, hundreds of hours on every aspect of technology, yeah. architecture, product management, product design. How to do everything you can think of around building a technology product, yeah, and getting the best consultants one on one and just mapping it out on a whiteboard, you know, yeah. hours and hours and hours of this stuff to really get a good foundation to understand, you know, how to do this. And then mm-hmm. I started building, going after a myriad of problems, and that 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 over to then I went to Seattle because Amazon does technology very mm-hmm. differently, same with Microsoft, than San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Now they obviously both do it on huge scale, trillions mm-hmm. of dollars of scale here. The biggest companies in America are tech companies. And they yeah. come out of only two spots, Seattle, San Francisco. That's it. So, and, and it's because tech is tremendously profitable. Mm-hmm. So, but trying to understand that, getting my head around that is why I went to Seattle because they just do it so differently. Would you explain that for this layman? I'm sure a lot of people yeah. in the audience are curious about that. Yeah. The, the difference in how tech is done between Seattle and San Francisco. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a quick, and I don't even think San Francisco understands it. <laughs> what's, oh, interesting. What's and I don't think Seattle really knows too much. Like, what's the difference? Actually, yeah, okay. Because either side doesn't quite. They they are very similar, but they do things very differently. Yeah. So, I would say San Francisco has an ecosystem. Uh, but the way it operates is simply that you have a huge venture capital. So you have most of the money out there that's mm-hmm. going through venture capital funds. Yeah. That's mostly in San Francisco, the Palo Alto, Silicon Valley region. Right. It's all kind of the same. That that ecosystem has caused, you know, the money they deploy creates a lot of opportunities for startups, which then attracts a lot of talent, yeah. which then has attracted other things like accelerators, like they call it accelerators, things that help to spin up companies faster. Okay. Take a company that's already spun up, but then make it go faster and get bigger. Yeah. Make, you know, help give them all the tools, the knowledge they need to go grow huge, like yeah. Y Combinator is one of them. So you have this whole growth and ecosystem, sort of an agglomeration of different things around technology in San Francisco, the money side being the venture capital funds who are, you know, kind of, I call them the house in gambling. They're sort of the house, the house always wins. The VCs always win. They generally not really losing. Now these entrepreneurs that they call them, because a lot of them, you know, are not the most, not really, you know, the most impressive entrepreneurs from understanding total business, but they understand a specific piece of tech. Got it. They will receive funding from these VCs or seed capital angel fund type groups, right? They'll get the capital, they'll deploy it. But a lot of the strategic thinking, a lot of the, you know, higher level thinking is provided by the venture capitalists themselves. Yeah. That's sort of San Francisco. So you okay. just have like a huge gambling house. A lot of these entrepreneurs in there, most of them don't win, they lose, mm-hmm. but the VCs win. And in general, the total net pie continues to grow. That's, yeah. that's kind of San Francisco. And then you go up to, um, and then out of there, you have huge companies that just grew out because they hit market. Because when you hit market in tech, it's massively profitable. Yeah. Because it scales infinitely. It's like if you could, you know, sell this bottle of water, 
you know, you create the bottle of water. It's a great bottle of water, but you don't have to create a million of them. You can just create this one bottle of water and sell it a million times. That's that's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't got to keep buying more plastic. You just sell this yeah. one thing a yeah. million times rather than create a million bottles. Yeah. So that's basically what tech's able to do. Okay. And then you go up to Seattle. Like, you know, what's the difference up there? Well, Seattle's origins come from Boeing. Mm-hmm. You know, which is kind of like you know was a basically a monopoly at one point that had to get broken up. <laughs> but a me- great ecosystem engineering up there, and. On top of Boeing later on, or following Boeing, came Microsoft, mm-hmm. which probably drew a lot from that ecosystem. And University of Washington is up there, so feeding a lot of talent. Yeah. So Microsoft really you know, created a massive technology birthing ecosystem out of there. But that came from a big company, more or less, from one company, mm-hmm. top down, rather than a huge gambling system like San Francisco. Yeah. So the way they drive tech will be a lot more you know, of a, a plan, opportunity, this is a good opportunity, and then they'll come at it. From different angles trying to hit it but they're Got coming it. through usually company funded attacks yeah and you can see that with amazon who's also up in seattle yeah. they have alexa they have aws they have all these companies all were internally created yeah so even it's a huge difference yeah it, very, it really very, is yeah very big difference it's kind of you know the top-down execution approach versus the gambling approach of seattle yeah of, of, san, of francisco. san francisco yeah and so you you then pull up your roots in seattle you you set your eyes on austin tell us why austin yeah so I had a good understanding of the world, so I knew we yeah. wanted to be in America. America, you look, for, for all the faults of America, it's still the best country. Yeah. I mean, for the size of the economy, the diversity of our abilities to, you know, geographic diversity, people diversity, a lot of things are great mm. here. And it's the best place to be. That's why I chose to stay here. Now, we could go anywhere, right? Yeah. So we stayed. Okay, so America, that was an obvious choice for me. I've seen a lot of countries, and there's a lot of great countries, but America is special. Yeah. And we still are special. I mean, you look at China, what just happened in China. A lot of people are big China fans. Yeah. You know, for example, a friend of mine that I'm, you know, connected in when I was in Shanghai, he's a guy I went to Harvard as well. And he's, he was, the, you know, he was in love with China when I was there. So I couldn't even make any critiques. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, come on, don't say that. Even up and through COVID, he was still in love with them. And I wow. said, man, you know, I thought, man, this is like real infatuation almost. Yeah. Uh, you're not thinking. Yeah. So, but anyways, now he's back in the States. I just talked to him a few weeks ago and he absolutely hates China now. And I said, well, what happened? He said, man, it's like I fell in love with this woman. I thought she was perfect and all this other stuff. And it turns out she's a meth head, crazy psycho <laughs> that wants to kill me and might what take my sto- children. What a story. Because during the lockdown, you know, he, they, he, him and his wife are worried they're going to take their kid. Yeah. Because of COVID or something. Yep. He's a two-year-old child. And this is not an unreasonable fear. No, I mean, no. This he said people are getting pulled out of the yeah. building and stuff. They're coming in, force testing. And he just realized, wow. So, I mean, for all the faults of America, we're still a great country. Yeah. And it's great. We're so blessed to be in America. So, but anyway, so I knew America was the choice within America. I said, okay, let's pick a ground where we have good ecosystem. Sorry, good environment, good feeder system of talent around Mm -hmm. me because talent's going to be key. Yeah. I got to be able to either get it locally, preferably get it locally and then attract people to it. So it can't be a place that's like, you know, podunk, like, I don't know, some place I don't want to offend people, but, uh, (laughs) podunk North Dakota. I won't egg you off. Yeah. yeah, There you go. All right. right, Whatever. There's not too many people from North Dakota, but there's good people in North Dakota and they got great fracking going on over there. That's right. And Williston. But, uh, anyways, the bottom line is you get a place where if I tell someone, Hey, it's over here, it's attractive. Right. Yeah. So Austin sells well. So that's an attractive thing. Texas though, surrounds Austin. 95% of Texans are not in Austin. They surround Austin. Yeah. And it's still the capital of Texas. So even if it is, a lot of people say, oh, it's so liberal, this and that. But first of all, it's Texas liberal. It's not the same. Yeah. So, it's not Seattle. No, no. People got gun safes and stuff. And they're <laughs> yeah. not, you know, I mean, they may be like, you know, identify as liberal, but they're not that liberal. They're, yeah. they're pretty cool still. Yeah. You know, they're not like crazy, you know. So, and on top of that, you're still surrounded by 95% of Texans right. who have a very strong civic virtue 
because I've been all over Texas. I've been also all over the country, but I've been to almost every part of Texas and you yep. can just see a consistent thickness in the culture. Yeah. That will not change for a hundred years. Like that, that's yeah. so hard to build. It's just, once you get it, it's hard to lose it. They have that. And I can benefit from that by building my company out of Texas. Yeah. Well, and, and, and we've talked about this before, but I think it's, it's worth highlighting for the audience that especially those who understand this mystique about Texas, perhaps they find it's a little insulting to, to them as non-Texans. But for, for you and me, we consider ourselves adopted Texans, that it doesn't matter where you go in the state, that this is the point, that this is a state that is as diverse ethnically, religiously as California. And yet that thickness of that culture, as you put it, this civic virtue, which often comes across as Texas pride or Texas bravado, it is invariable from big city to small city, from the Rio Grande Valley, obviously predominantly Hispanic, to West Texas, to the Panhandle. And, and ultimately, there may be a lesson there for the future of America. But I think it's really important for people who have scratched their heads about you're moving to Austin and they're scratching their heads because they know Austin is more liberal than the rest of Texas to understand it's still Texas. And it's probably been rather easy for you to attract talent there. Yeah. I mean, Austin sells well. It's got a great yeah, music. It really scene, is a great city. You know? So, so the, the, and it's always a plurality of factors when you decide yeah. anything because it's based on your strategy, right? Right. But when I thought about the opportunity to move the company, because during COVID, when COVID first hit, it was in May. Mm-hmm. When it first first hit, I actually, we did an oil trade that was a very aggressive trade <laughs> during <laughs> March um, when, when Putin got in the with Saudi oh, Arabia. Yeah. We did pretty aggressive trade and that was a huge win for the company. In May, though, we sold out of positions and then I thought, what else can we do here? Yeah. And I said, man, what's unique about this is no one's going to school, mm-hmm. which means I could possibly move the company easier because that's the biggest limiting problem, right? Yeah. You know, spouse like people don't want to move the kids in the middle of schooling or if the kids are at a great school they don't want to do it yeah. but they already announced in seattle the whole next year will be canceled right so i said okay well that's an opportunity and i'd already been thinking about maybe we do move the company at some point so because i'd been seeing these things i thought the pendulum would swing the other way mm-hmm. in the west coast actually at first yeah so i was wrong about that but i wasn't mm-hmm. so convicted on it that i couldn't be dissuaded mm-hmm. And I never am anyways. I always have a strong position, but I'm willing to change. You're it. really willing to take the look at the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear it out. So I, I, I thought about it. And I said, well, this pendulum keeps going the wrong way. You know, how much worse can it get? Can it, is it going to come the other mm-hmm. way now towards more moderation? And I think over history, people make the mistake to think that things can't get worse. Yeah. Because sometimes when things get worse, they then come back and they get better. But sometimes things continue to get worse. I mean, Cuba's been the way it has been since the, you know, whatever, 50s or whatever, yeah. the 60s under Castro, right? So. And if you go to Cuba, which I've been, I mean, you'd be driving cars that are like, you know, made in the 60s. It's it's bonkers. It's like things could go sideways. They could also go worse, right? The Roman Empire, right? In the 300s, like they thought, okay, you know, Rome, the great Rome, it can't go down. It turned out it just started crumbling from within. And then all of a sudden barbarians, Attila, these people just came, crushed it, you know? So it's like, what is going on? Are barbarians are coming into Rome? (laughs) You know? So, but you know, so I think things could just go, you know, a lot of people think, oh, this, this can't. And I so, you know, it could keep going and mm-hmm. I'm going to have to bet the company future and all my work. And, you know, I, I, one of the phrases that comes from the gospel in my mind, but it's a nuance of it, you know, it says, what profit has a man to gain the whole world, mm-hmm. but to lose his soul in the process. And, you know, what profit do I get as a business guy, right? As an entrepreneur, I build a company, but I lose the soul of the company in 30 years Yep, because the employees are, are, are psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they hate, they hate my Christianity. They hate like American freedoms. They hate all that stuff because they're like, they've just got, they've whatever, they've gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, 
we could try to convince them not to be crazy or I could just say, I'm out. I'm not going to take that risk. I'm going to build this in a place that I feel that I'm on more solid ground. Yeah. And, and so Texas has afforded you that opportunity. So you've got uh, more than a couple of, of phrases that are catchy and, and really fascinating, but we'll key in on a couple of them. The first is your concept of new tech ecosystem. Explain what that is. I know that you've touched on this, but for the audience, for them to understand, what I would argue is, even though you, you are a modest guy at your core, a uh, real contribution to American business right now, this concept of the new tech ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually not very modest, actually, but you, you're, you're yeah. more modest. You're more modest than some people think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how I'm about that? Oh, well, for a New Yorker. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, Kevin, I try to have humility. And yeah. I think, okay. There you go. Yeah. Humility. Yeah. So this I, is learned. I prize humility. I don't yeah. prize modesty. I think okay. modesty That's is good. A, kind of a, it's been a, a butchered virtue where people now are like, oh, I'm modest. I'm a Christian. I knew I could egg you on. This, <laughs> yeah. this is great. Yeah. So, uh, but what, what was the thing that you asked me that? Oh, I don't, I don't even remember, man. Come on. New tech, new tech ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. So bottom line is this, right? I don't like to, uh, you know, complain and be a baby mm. about stuff and whine, right? Unless I'm going to go do something. So mm-hmm. I started seeing these issues with tech. I started seeing, you know, worse and worse stuff happening. I, you know, didn't surprise, I mean, well, some things didn't surprise me. Some things did. I was surprised about the boldness in which they use their power to basically manipulate things coming into the election of the president, whether you like him or not, who cares? It's the sovereignty of the American people is at stake. Mm -hmm. That's what's at stake. It's not about actually whether you like some uh, candidate or the other. So that's the problem, right? If if another country did did this, what happened, we'd Mm -hmm. be at war with them. 100%. No question. It'd be a total war. And, and rightfully so, right? So, but we had a, the enemy usually is within mm-hmm. and the enemy now is, is tech. It's not big tech. It's all tech. Yeah. All tech. That's the problem. And when I mm-hmm. say I don't like to whine about stuff, I I'm going to do it. I first like to diagnose the problem. That way people understand this is serious. Like it's not just that they're going to stop you from expressing yourself and your freedom of speech on these accepted public forums like Twitter, Facebook, et cetera. Yeah. It's not just that. They can also block your ability to, to manage and communicate your information and your data systems. Yeah. That's Amazon, Microsoft, right? And I think we all, we all know this now. They can also deplatform you off your mobile devices. They can also take your books down, which has happened to people that are legit. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to these folks. They're yeah. legit folks that are not crazy. And, well, and like Ryan not, Anderson, you know, our yeah. former heritage colleague. Is yeah, perhaps I mean, the best like example. these guys are legit guys who are good people and they're not saying anything violent. They're just standing up for Judeo-Christian principles or American ideals, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And they're being, you know, their books are being taken down, whatever, from what is currently the the accepted system of how people shop and how they get their information. Yeah. So this is a huge issue. But now we also have, it's all, why I say it's all tech, it's not big tech, because then you have uh, GoFundMe with the truckers, right? Yeah. They're not allowing funding to go in there. What that? What GoFund nonprofit? What are they getting involved? <laughs> GoDaddy kicking off Texas Right to Life. Yeah. Don't let them have on. Don't won't don't let them host their service on there. Ma- you know, Mailchimp. They blocked something to do with like you know some Tea Party or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And um, I mean, these are all folks I grew up with. You know what I mean? These yeah. are like I mean, these are these are American people, and and they're getting blocked by these folks. So this, it's a serious issue. That's all mm-hmm. tech. So that's boom. That's a problem. The solution though is what I want to move towards but you can't have a solution unless you know what your issue is right you have to identify the enemy and and know how the bad the bad the bad problem is how bad is it what is the nature of it so you yeah. understand that so we've got to do we have to create a new tech ecosystem mm-hmm. bottom line we need a new tech ecosystem we need new tech leadership new that means yeah not a morph of the old like straight up new we need yeah. something new and what i'm doing is it's it's basically and there's three things that need to go into that one is you need new soil so we're positioned mm-hmm. out of texas that's part of it yep and 
you need second is you need two legs to stand on. And the two legs you need to be able to stand on are talent. Mm-hmm. You need to get people stepping in, leaving the companies that they're at, yeah. these you know, bad companies, and coming over to companies like ours that are good companies. Right. You also need new talent coming out of these other schools like Hillsdale and some ones I respect. Like sure. I went to Hillsdale and gave a talk up there because I was trying to, you know, they're not paying me for this stuff. I'm up there trying to inspire kids to get into entrepreneurship yeah. and tech, right? Because particularly tech entrepreneurship because of how much influence yep. it has, right? We need people that are thinkers coming in, right? So, and the, and the, and the second leg to stand on, absolutely critical, this will not work, is investors, capital. Hmm. If we don't get capital, this thing is not going to work. Yeah. You know, I've put in well over 10 million in my own cash, more towards 20 or 30 million in my own cash to build this stuff out. So I'm yeah. all in, right? But I'm definitely going down if I don't have help. Right. And same with our team. They've done tremendous sacrifice, the guys on my team. Yeah. They've moved across the country. Some of these people have three, four kids. Yeah. And they're just all in trying to build this stuff out because they are on board to create create new tech leadership, to yeah. have an impact and create tech that empowers people and doesn't try to disempower them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like it, it it sounds like simple stuff, but this is very serious stuff. Mm-hmm. And their their spouses have made sacrifices as well. And but we're gonna lose unless we have capital and talent step up. And a lot of people with capital will be like, oh, I don't do tech, this and that, because a lot of conservatives are like this, right? Sure. Yeah, there's a real hostility. Yeah, but yeah. come on. Conservatives are smart. Like, use your brain. Are, yeah. are guys in Silicon Valley <laughs> smarter than you? Like, no, they're not. Trust me. Like, have mm-hmm. a conversation. Talk about anything, <laughs> anything. Yep. Literature, history, philosophy, <laughs> theology. You'll realize these guys don't know a damn thing yeah. <laughs> about these things. Like, they're, I don't know if they went to school sometimes, but <laughs> no, the, but, uh, no, they're smart people. They're good people. I have a lot of friends out there. But but, but let's say, let's be honest. Their, no, there is their civic knowledge is about that is 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 really half an inch. Thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think for the conservatives or libertarian type people that are not already in touch with these tech ecosystems, so they need to first acknowledge a mm. fact: tech is the most profitable. Yeah. Why? Look on the public stock markets. What are the what are the trillion dollar companies out of the United States created? Apple. They're all tech companies. Yeah. That's it. That's you right. know. So they're all tech companies. That mm. is the, that is what is created the most wealth. So. So that is like a fact. So why is that? And why are all these companies making so much money? It's because it's tremendously profitable to mm-hmm. invest in early stage companies because you get this, what they call the power law. I'm going expo- to quickly explain this so, mm-hmm. so you get an understanding of it as well, because I think it's very important that people understand how you make money off this. Yeah. Because that you do make money, I think is a fact, but how do you make money? Because then people, if they don't, if they get scared, if they don't know how it works. Right. It's first of all, it's, a, it's very good to have a diversification strategy anyway. So you could have real sure. estate, you have all this stuff. But tech could be a diversification. You should have it. It should be. It has outperformed over time, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you think about it? Do you just bet on one company? No, you have to spread your bets. That's the nature of it. Yeah. You need about 10 companies. Mm-hmm. You need to spread Zork your bets on 10 companies. Mm-hmm. I actually have yeah, I've created what we have is 10 companies. I did it partially to make sure I don't lose money and my investors don't lose, lose money. Yeah. So it's, it's long-term self-interest. Yeah, sure. You know, I've never lost an investor's money and I'm not going to start. So, <laughs> so I've spread it over 10. But if you look at financial history, generally one to two crush it out of 10. Yeah. And then, you know, four, three or four or whatever, do like, okay. And then two, you know, some of them are just total duds and they blow out. They yeah. don't work at all. And it's hard to predict which ones because you're early stage tech. So it's hard to know what is the performance of this. Yeah. And, you know, there's a book on this. I think it's called the History of Venture Capital or something like that. There's a okay. bunch of books that I've read on this. Not too many are good, but there's one that was okay. It was pretty good. I'd say it was good. And it goes back to the whaling days. Same exact power law distribution Interesting. models. Follows the same exact pattern. So this stuff is like, you know, the guys out in Silicon Valley that are investors, they understand this and they're making money, you know, like crazy, right? Yeah. But we need the conservative groups, to st- conservative folks to step in and to back companies like this because we need that money. Yeah. And we also, we need the talent to step in as well. Cause a lot of talent might be like, Oh, how do I, how is this even going to work? I'm going to take this kind of scary. No, don't worry about it. You will figure it out. And you are smart. Get in there. You, 
Steve, Steve Jobs, he didn't have a technical background, really. He was yeah. liberal arts background. Yeah. People forget um, that. Yeah. And not, not the most well-educated liberal arts, but still mm-hmm. fairly okay, you mm-hmm. know? And he went in. A lot of leaders uh, are, don't have technical backgrounds. Peter Thiel didn't have a technical background, um, you know, philosophy background, I think, yeah. and then legal. And then a lot of folks he brought in also were similar yeah. in that, that aspect. So if you're trained how to think, you'll get your head around this and you will understand it. And don't be scared of it. We need people jumping in. Yeah, it goes back to what you said. Remember that we know how to read. Yeah. And, and the ecosystem thing is if we don't get this ecosystem going, so you have this talent and capital, it starts to it will start to grow on itself and create an agglomeration that's yeah. separate and apart and different and new around tech. Yeah. And then it can compete and give an alternative to Silicon Valley. But you need to do that because... The density, the, the the talent in tech, the cutting edge talent, yeah, is in these two areas, San Francisco and Seattle. So even where we're recruiting, we're pulling these folks from these places yeah. and moving them into our into our company. Thank, I mean, thanks for that extended explanation, which is very good, and I'm sure our audience appreciates it. I want to have a couple questions before we wrap, and and the 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 next one is about this other phrase I've seen you use and seen you do some interviews, and it's servant capitalism. You and I, because of the faith we share, I think understand that, but I think it's something that could be broadly um, applied to the center right of, of the United States. We would like to think perhaps even folks left of center would, would accept that, but maybe that'll take some time. But just give us an understanding of what you mean when you use the phrase servant capitalism. Yeah, and, and, and what I'd say is, first of all, both the left and the right should accept it because yeah. it should be about what's true. It's not about what's on the left or what's on the right. That's right. <laughs> you know, so, and so capitalism is certainly the best form. I think that, you know, anybody who knows anything about history knows that it's the best form of wealth creation. Yeah. So capitalism certainly is the best form of wealth creation. Wealth creation is a good thing that's creating products and goods that can then be accessed by other people. That's a good thing. We yeah. are the stewards of the earth, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's a good thing. And that's a, the best system is capitalism. Okay. So boom, let's put that aside. Now, okay. Is that good enough on its own? It's not good enough on its own. Right. And I've seen this in other countries. Yeah. And because what happens if you have capitalism, but you don't have the ethos of giving back mm-hmm. of basically in, in, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. If you don't have this in the under, underbed of the society, yep. if you don't have civic virtue, if you're not grounded in virtue as a society and you don't have this idea of servant being a servant, that's why I say like, you know, my mission is to serve, I say s- serving Jesus, but I also say backslash or people. It's the same thing. Yeah, serving right. people in business. That's what, what I have to do is serve. Yeah. If we don't have the idea of serving, then so if I get a lot of money, what do I I'll say? What am I going to do with this money? Go and buy another. I'm going to go buy a bunch of yachts. No, what the hell? I mean, yeah, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's about there is something. There's more to it. Yeah. yeah, when you become all consumption, there's definitely a problem. But yeah, generally, when you get this, when you get things that come to you, you have to give. You have to figure out how can I invest this back into create things for other people. Yeah, that is that the that so that's why I say servant capitalism. That is the only way forward. Yeah, because otherwise. We either kill the wealth creation machine, which is going to cause everyone to become more impoverished, everybody, or we allow it to happen, but we don't have servant, a servant mentality. We don't have that servant leadership yeah. happening. We don't have the servant virtue. If we don't have that, we will have rapacious capitalism. Mm-hmm. We'll have people when they get their winnings, they get their earnings. They use it to protect their earnings and to basically lord over other folks. We're, yeah. seeing, we're seeing this in the tech industry right now with some of the tech leaders. They use their money and their power to lord it over others mm-hmm. rather than empowering folks and in allowing their voices to be heard. They try to silence them using their power. Yeah. So this is this is what I told you, rapacious capitalism. So actually, they're on the far left. They might say, oh, we're against capitalism. Yeah, right. Yeah. You are for <laughs> capitalism. You're a bad ca- You're a tyrant, especially when you're they rapacious. Can, yeah, exactly. Especially so, when they can be in collusion with big government. Right. Yeah. That's, that's one of the problems. 
So that's a hopefully a good segue into the last question, which which I've been real excited to ask you. I ask most of our guests, and it is in spite of all the challenges that you see in America, why did you wake up this morning optimistic about America's future? Yeah. So I mean, uh, I would say a num a number of reasons I can get into, but let's just let's put it like this: this is not the ninth inning, like we're yeah. about to lose. No, this is not anything. I mean, we have any stretch. We haven't even started the game. Yeah. Okay. Like this thing ain't Good. over at all. I'm telling you, it's not. Now, there's a lot of evidence of this, by the way. Mm-hmm. People are stepping up. They realize what's happening. It is far from over. However, if we don't do something, mm. as you slip it further, it's harder to grab it. Yeah. So you got to move fast and we got to move up and, and, and push against and fight back. Yeah. And we got to step up, get on the of- get on the offense, you know, get offensive mm-hmm. on things, start moving, not offensive, but get on the offense. Yeah. The, uh, but start, start moving and creating power structures that are actually going to be about causing people to flourish about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And, you know, I'm seeing in my own company. So even, you know, even the phenomenon, and I'm going to use the, I'm going to use the the T word right now, which is, I call it the T word Trump is even with Trump, right. You know, historically, you know, by the way, I've never, I actually was, I'm, I'm not really into Trump that much historically, but mm-hmm. anyways, but when you look at this, when I, when I step back, I look at what's going on here. What you can see is hope actually in that. Because why? Because people want something and they see something's bad. Yeah. So they're going to go for somebody who maybe is very distasteful to them in many ways. Right. Because they need, this, they, they see this big problem. Yeah. They see it and they're waking up. Yeah. The American giant is becoming an awoken. It's like the yeah. Japanese when they attacked us. I fear we have awoken the American giant. Yeah. Well, you know, it took America to wake up mm-hmm. a little bit from that. When that happened, it started turning it on. And it takes a while, yeah, you know, but eventually it, it's, it's, our, it's awake. Americans is, it's funny because they talk about woke. Yeah. America's actually in proper sense has, uh, is awake now. That's right. They start, they know what the hell's going it, on. It, it's happening. And the wheels are turning, man. So yeah. like the war machine starting, yeah. you know, and we're, we're on the forefront of it with my company yeah, and pushing in the technology industry to take leadership and, and basically make sure that American ideals are preserved and promoted and embraced. So, and, and we can see t- all sorts of sign. I mean, in my, in my company, just as an example, I've never marketed to, just as a case in point, I've never marketed to West Point people. Mm-hmm. I have five West Point people in our company, all from different types of companies within the tech industry that have moved and joined our company. Yeah. We have, we have people from Tesla, all West Point, Tesla, Uber, Google That's Ventures. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's crazy. And Amazon as well. Yeah. So that were at these cutting edge tech companies that I think realize, wait, hold on. I risked my life, did far more than I personally have ever done. These guys have done, right? Because mm-hmm. um, they actually put their life at risk for American freedoms and stuff. But so I have a lot of respect for them. But so they have actually put it all on the line and, and they're thinking, I'm at this company that's fighting against I, what I almost risked my life for. Yeah. They're probably thinking this, you know, and, and, and they're selecting into a company like mine and moving and joining us. And, and these guys are also extremely high caliber because we, we only hire elite people sure. in our company. So, but it just, We've never marketed to them and we're, they're joining our company and we're getting a lot of other folks like this. Yeah. It's and exciting. they're not all a bunch of Christians either. A lot of mm-hmm. our, our folks coming in, we have definitely Christians, but we also have guys who are like agnostic. I have one guy who says he's an anarchist actually, but <laughs> anyways, the, uh, I think he thinks I'm one as well, but uh, I told him I'm not that extreme, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I am libertarian oriented, but you're, you're crazy, man. Yeah. But you know, but he wants to be in a cult company that is, you know, allows him to just be himself. Right. You know, and like that's that's why he, he's with us and he sees the problem of this intolerance because he was from the Soviet. He was from one of the Soviet countries. So he knows. Yeah. So he yeah. sees what happens and his family moved out of that. And he's he's excellent at tech, but yeah. yeah, he doesn't want that to happen. He's going to be part of creating something like that. So but so there, there's tons of hope out there is what I'd say. And, and I think it's 
we're, the game has just started and and we're gonna we're gonna crush him man we yeah. will win one of our freight my, my motto in the company is find a way or make one yeah so, i love it yeah we will find a way or make one yeah so and right now we're making one on the tech side because we didn't really have a way out on the west coast so we're making one out of yeah. out of texas and creating new leadership man i love that response thanks so much peter rex for being yeah, there with thank us you, for everything Kevin, you're I appreciate doing it. Yep. yep thank you for all you do and, and heritage as well it's a privilege we'll do it together yep well, folks, hope you enjoy that conversation with Peter Rex. We will be back next time, probably with a guest who doesn't quite have Pete's passion, because that's hard to match, but someone who is an equally good patriot. Take care. Mm-hmm.